0: I want you to check this out. It's on time. Ready?
1: One second. Greenwich, meantime, when a man named Gordon was nicked by the police in Bristol for riding his bicycle without a lamp. The local law clearly stated that every person riding a bicycle, which fell under the definition of carriage, shall carry a lamp, so lighted as to afford adequate means of signaling the approach of the bicycle, during the period between one hour after sunset and one hour before, or be looking at the sun in the heavens, and yet be liable to be convicted of the offense of not having his lamp lighted an hour after sunset. What is time? At the dawn of the written word, Plato struggled with the question. A moving image of eternity, he said. He could name the parts of time, days and nights and months and years. Moreover, when we say that what has become is become and what becomes is becoming, and that what will become is about to become, and that the non-existent is non-existent, all these are inaccurate modes of expression. But perhaps this whole subject will be more suitably discussed on some other occasion. Here, Aristotle.
0: Any thoughts? No, that was rather complicated. Any thoughts about the idea of time?
1: No. Here, Aristotle too found himself in difficulties. To start,
0: because you know Einstein says like a persistent illusion, but at the same time, not really. So, like, I, I like the idea. It's an illusion, but it's also not an illusion. You know, time changes depending on gravity and you know acceleration and all that. Like, any thoughts on it? That? Yeah, that's true. And speed. Found himself in difficulties.
1: Sorry. To start then. The following considerations would make one suspect that it either does not exist at all or barely, and in an obscure way. One part of it has been. But we
0: do know there's three three dimensions of space and one dimension of time. And it's interesting, he's talking about how like time is related to like they, they say it's like the flow of time and stuff. Well, there's there's four parts of the universe: space, time, matter, and energy. That's the way that the socionics separates it in a lot of people. That's the way that L. Ron Hubbard separated it. Space, time, matter, energy. Well, time is a second quadrant, and, and that's related to the water, the, the, the second element. And that's, that's why there'll be the flow of time. But then, like, air and water are, are very connected. Well, same thing with space and time are very connected. Like, any thoughts of that? First and second quadrant. No, I never thought about that. Yeah, but that's why. And then matter is the third, which is always most physical, and then energy will be the fourth, which is, like, the transcendent one.
1: way. One part of it has been and is not while the other is going to be and is not yet.
0: the past has... But then the fourth energy transcends but includes the first three, where people say that all that space really is, is energy, or all that time really is, is energy, or all that matter really is, is energy. But it's not really, though. There's also those things, though, too. So that's why it's the four quadrants, and that's why they, they take on the form they do, and it doesn't?
1: No. And is not yet. The past has gone out of existence, the future has not yet been born, and time is made up of these things which do not exist. On the other hand, he said, looked at differently, time seems to be a consequence of change or motion. It is the measure of change, earlier and later, faster and slower. These are words that are defined by time. Fast is a lot of motion in a little time. Slow is a little motion in a lot of time. As for time itself, time is not defined by time. Later, Augustine, like Plato, contrasted time with eternity. Unlike Plato, he could hardly stop thinking about time. It obsessed him. His way of explaining was to say that he understood time very well until the moment he tried to explain. Let us reverse Augustine's process. Stop trying to explain and instead take stock of what we know. Time is not defined by time. That needn't paralyze us. When we leave aside the search for epigrams and definitions, it turns out we know a great deal. If you stop in dealing with such words with their definition, thinking that to be an intellectual finality... Where are you? Stupidly staring at a pretentious sham. Deus est ens, asse extra et supra omne genus, necessarium unum, infinite perfectum, simplex, immutabile, immensum, eternum, intelligens, etc. Wherein is such a definition really instructive? It means less than nothing in its pompous robe of adjectives. William James. We know that time is imperceptible. It is immaterial. We cannot see it, hear it, or touch it. If people say they perceive, any does it? No.
0: It's the same thing, kind of with water. People say you can't taste water. You can't really. It's clear. You can't really see it. That's why they're related. Like any does that?
1: Yeah, that's good analogy.
0: The same thing with air, with space. Where you know, but matter is is earth, and then fire is energy. Those are the four elements. Touch it.
1: If people say they perceive the passing of time, that's just a figure of speech. They perceive something else, the clock ticking on the mantle, or their own heartbeat, or other manifestations of the many biological rhythms below the level of consciousness. But whatever time is, it lies outside the grasp of our senses. Robert Hooke made this very point to the Royal Society in 1682. I would query by what-
0: I guess you can kind of feel water, but at the same time, I think if you're in water for long enough, maybe you won't feel it anymore. If it's like completely still, you know, any thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, the water is about the same temperature as your body, you don't feel it. I, I noticed that in Hawaii. Yeah, I was, I was thinking that maybe like, maybe the same thing with time, maybe you can feel time if, if you really tried, but I don't know, right?
1: I would query by what sense it is we come to be informed of time. For all the information we have from the senses, are momentary and only last during the impressions made by the object. There is therefore yet wanting a sense to apprehend time. For such an,
0: and I like what, what what he was getting at though is is then he talks about like Kant and then Kant says that like really
1: uh,
0: that that you know and, and I was talking about that this is why you can't say that things are just like random and stuff, space and time and matter and stuff. That's like a priori that in order for existence to happen, that needs to be the case. So like your mind and reality are connected in that way, like in a dream, like there needs to be space in order for things to happen. And really time is just, and I forget who it was, it was like Kant and maybe some other guys talked about this, but like in order for like, really it's just all about relationships. Time is really just the relationships of change and matter, changing of matter, you know, in different, there has to be space. But as matter changes and stuff it, it, it's based around time like any thoughts of that yeah
1: Hence to apprehend time for such a notion we have book proceeded to dig himself into a hole i say we shall find a necessity of supposing some other organ to apprehend the impression that is made by time what organ that which we generally call memory which memory i suppose to be yes. as much an organ as the eye ear or nose where is this organ then? Somewhere near the place where the nerves from the other senses meet.
0: Any hey, thoughts? No. They say like memories in the hippocampus, but they also say it's non-localized throughout the brain. So like when you have dreams, they say it consolidates memories. And and it's important, like in, in post-traumatic stress disorder, they don't really get consolidated that well. I, f- I forget how it works, but like because of the trauma and the amygdala, because the hippocampus is connected to the amygdala, which is connected to emotions. Like any thoughts on that? no so like but but after or, or during sleep, the the memories from the hippocampus they start to like spread throughout the brain a little bit but maybe like during if there's post-traumatic stress or whatever the amygdala doesn't allow it because of the two trauma and it becomes like ingrained or like uh fused in the amygdala or something i don't know but right, right
1: nerves from the other senses meet yet we experience time in a way that we do not experience space. Close your eyes and space disappears. You may be anywhere. You may be big or small. Yet time continues. I'm listening not to time itself, but to the blood current coursing through my brain and thence through the veins of the neck heartward, back to the seat of private throes which have no relation to time, says Nabokov. Cut off from the world, with no sensory perception, we may still count the time. Indeed, we habitually quantify time, and yet we conceive of it as a quantity, said Hook this leads to a plot
0: like what do you think about the like memory burned into the brain like any thoughts of that
1: no said hook this leads to a plausible definition time is what clocks measure but what is a clock an instrument for the measurement of time the snake swallows its tail again
0: like a clock has intervals like uh, uh, and it's also based around rhythm. And, you know, that, that this is, this is why also, you know, time in water and time is the second quadrant, belief, faith, behavior, belonging, Well, they talk a lot about like behavior, behaviors about like patterns and intervals and like rhythms and, and, and based around groups too. So water's like a group, it, it, you know, it fills this container, like a group oriented, like groups fill their container. They fill their surroundings. They fit into their environments. Any thoughts? Yeah, that's good. So like belief, faith, behavior, belonging. And, and then so like they, they they have like these things where the the people will be rowing and they'll have the same rhythm and stuff. And these people will have the same beliefs and they'll have the same behaviors and, and like in, in their time, their sense of time becomes the same. And, and, and they kind of uh, synchronize with each other. And it's very connected to the, like the group and the and the belief, faith, behavior, belonging. And this is related to time. I, I forget, like, I, I wish I was listening better to those audiobooks about that, but... But I, I was, like, daydreaming. This was during the pandemic, and I was kind of stressed. But anyway, does thoughts that?
1: The snake swallows its tail again. Lee Smolin tries to escape the circularity in time reborn by redefining clock. For our purposes, a clock is any device that reads out a sequence of increasing numbers.
0: Because belief be ever long is the second quadrant. Now, thinking motion, doing dreaming, that's really the matter... And that's related to, to memory. And that's the third quadrant, which is Earth. The sensation, perception, response, awareness. That's that's the ethereal first on the air. That's the first quadrant.
1: Out a sequence of increasing numbers. Then again, a person counting to one hundred is not a clock. Once we conceive of time as a quantity, we can store it up. Apparently, we save it, spend it, accumulate it, and bank it. We do all this quite obsessively nowadays.
0: It's interesting, you like, like save water too, but yeah, like money, that's very homeostasis oriented that, and that's the second quadrant. Like any thoughts on that? No. Yeah, so, so you you say you save water, you save money. Like.
1: We do all this quite obsessively nowadays, but the notion is at least 400 years old. Francis Bacon, 1612. The time is to save time. The corollary of saving time is wasting it again prolix and florid harangues and other personal speeches are great wasters of time
0: and people waste water right and that's the second quadrant
1: is our great wasters of time no one would have begun thinking about time as a bankable commodity who was not already familiar with money time hath my lord a wallet at his back wherein he puts alms for oblivion but is time really a commodity or is this just another shabby analogy along with time the river We go back and forth between being time's master and its victim. Time is ours to use, and then we are at its mercy. I wasted time, and now doth time waste me, says Richard II. For now hath time made me his numbering clock. If you say that an activity wastes time, implying a substance in finite supply, Mm. and then you say that it fills time, implying a sort of container, have you contradicted yourself? Are you confused? Are you committing a failure of logic? None of those. On the contrary, you are a clever creature when it comes to time, and you can keep more than one idea in your head. Language is imperfect. Poetry, perfectly imperfect. We can occupy the time and pass the time in the same breath. We can devour time or languish in its slow-chapped power. Newton, who invented the idea of mass, knew that time didn't have any, that it's not a substance. Yet he said that time flows. He wrote this in Latin, tempus fluit, The Romans said tempus fugit. Time flees. Or at any rate, that motto began appearing on English sundials in the Middle Ages. Newton would have seen that. True, the hours speed by and are gone once we learn to measure them. But how can time flee? It's another figure of speech. And how can time flow if it has no substance? Newton took pains to distinguish two kinds of time. We might call them physical time and psych.
0: Cy- it does it. <laughs>
1: You might call them physical time and psychological time, but he lacked those words. So he had to struggle a bit. The first kind he called with a flurry of-
0: Yeah, there's like psychological time, but like Einstein said that too, like he said that uh, the, the, the idea of the relativity of time, he said like, if, if you're with a beautiful girl, time can, can seem very slow, right?
1: Any thoughts on that? Yeah. The first kind he called with a flurry of adjectives, time, absolute, I I know, true, and mathematical. But... Tempus absolutum verum et mathematicum. The other was time as perceived by the common people, the volgus, and this he called relative and apparent. True time, mathematical time, he inferred from a technological feature of his world, the consistency of clocks. He and the clockmakers both leaned on Galileo here. It was Galileo who established that a swinging pendulum of a given length divides time into regular pieces. He measured time by using his pulse. Shortly thereafter, doctors began using clocks to time pulses. The ancients looked to the heavens for measuring time. The sun, the stars, the moon. Those were reliable. They gave us our days, months, and years. When Joshua needed more time to smite the Amorites, he asked God to halt the sun and moon in their tracks. Sun, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou, moon, in the valley of Ajalon. Who among us has not wanted to stop time? Now machinery takes over the reckoning. Another circularity creeps in, a chicken and egg problem. Time is how we measure motion. Motion is how we measure time. Newton tried to escape that by fiat. He made absolute time axiomatic. He needed a reliable backbone for his laws of motion. The first law, an object moves at a constant velocity unless acted upon by some external force. But what is velocity? Distance per unit time. When Newton declared that time flows equably, Equabiliter fluit, that we can count on unit time, hours, days, months, years. They are the same everywhere and always. In effect, he imagined the universe as its own clock, the cosmic clock, perfect and mathematical. He wanted to say that when two of our earthly clocks differ, it's because of some fault in the clocks, not because the universe speeds up and slows down hither and yon. Now it is fashionable among physicists and philosophers to ask whether time is even real whether it exists. The question is debated at conferences and symposia and analyzed. Any thoughts? does? No.
0: Just like the, the quantum idea of time is it's like a quantum foam and it's like, and there's like quantum pieces of time and everything, right? Like quantum space too. Uh, and I forget the name of it. It's like quantum uh, loop theory or whatever. And it's just like quantum little, uh, it, it's not, it's granular as opposed to a flow. As opposed to a continuum, it's granular. It's made of discrete units. Like any thoughts on that?
1: yeah that, that's what quantum mechanics uh, asserts Oh,
0: no, that that's one theory of quantum mechanics not all quantum mechanics that's just one theory quantum loop but there's also different ones but uh but my point is uh <clears throat> yeah but you know some of the thing is an emergent property from space or whatever like it's an emergent property but some people say that space is an emergent property from time, and we're going to get to that with Smolin. But any thoughts of that?
1: No. Conferences and symposia and analyzed in books. I have put quotation marks around those words because they are so problematic in themselves. The nature of reality hasn't been settled either. We know what it means to say that unicorns are not real. Likewise, Santa Claus. But when scholars say time is not real, it means something different. They haven't lost faith in their wristwatches or their calendars. They use real as code for something else. Absolute, special, or fundamental. Not everyone would agree that physicists like to debate the reality of time. Sean Carroll writes, perhaps surprisingly, physicists are not overly concerned with adjudicating which particular concepts are real or not. Leave that to philosophers, I think he means. For concepts like time, which are unambiguously part of a useful vocabulary we have for describing the world, talking about reality is just a bit of harmless gassing. The business of physicists is to construct theoretical models and test them against empirical data. got that?
0: Yeah, that's a good
1: definition.
0: Yeah, but the thing about Sean Carroll and what he has to understand is that you saying that physicists, oh, we don't like to do that, but you have to do that. You know, f- physics and philosophy are—you are, are, know—science and philosophy. The first quadrant and the fourth quadrant are so inter—they're interlinked. They're different, but you are what you're going to see, what you're going to observe is going to be based around your philosophies. If you think it's real or not, it's going to change what you see and what you observe and the models you make. So to to, to extricate these two from each other, you can't. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, that's good. And test them against empirical data. The models are effective and powerful, but remain artificial. They
1: themselves are a kind of language. Still, physicists do get caught up in debating the nature of reality. How could they not? The nature of time was the subject of an international essay contest organized in 2008 by FQXI, an institute devoted to foundational questions of physics and cosmology. One winning essay, chosen for more than 100, was Carroll's own, What if Time Really Exists? This was a deliberately contrarian exercise. there is a venerable strain of intellectual history that proclaims that time does not exist he noted there is a strong temptation to throw up one's hands and proclaim the whole thing is an illusion a landmark on that road is an essay published in 1908 by the journal mind the unreality of time by john mctaggart ellis mctaggart he was an english philosopher by then a fixture at trinity college cambridge McTaggart's name bears explaining. He was christened by his parents the Ellises of Wiltshire, John McTaggart Ellis, after his father's uncle, Sir John McTaggart, a childless Scottish baronet. Sir John then bequeathed a considerable fortune to the Ellises on the condition that they take his surname. In the case of young John, this led to a redundancy. The double dose of McTaggart never seems to have bothered him, and he, not the baronet, is the McTaggart most remembered today. McTaggart was said by Norbert Wiener, to have made a cameo appearance in Alice's Adventures in Wonderland as the Dormouse, with his pudgy hands, his sleepy air, and his sidelong walk. He had been arguing for years that our common view of time is an illusion, and now he made his case. It doubtless seems highly paradoxical to assert that time is unreal, he began. But consider. He contrasts two different ways of talking about positions in time, or events. We may talk about them relative to the present, the speaker's present in his example, is in the past, for us, but at one time it lay in the future and then came round to the present. Each position is either past, present, or future, writes McTaggart. He labels, for later convenience, the A series. Alternatively, we may talk about the positions in time relative to one another. Each position is earlier than some and later than some of the other positions. The death of Queen Anne is later than the death of the last dinosaur, but earlier than the publication of The Unreality of Time. This is the B series. The B series is fixed. It is permanent. The order can never change. The A series is changeable. An event which is now present, was future, and will be past. Many people found this A series and B series distinction persuasive, and it lives on robustly in the philosophical literature.
0: It does? No. lives
1: on robustly in the philosophical literature. By a chain of reasoning, McTaggart uses it to prove that time does not exist. The A series is essential to time because time depends on change, and only the A series allows for change. On the other hand, the A series contradicts its own premises because the same events possess the properties of pastness and futureness. Neither time as a whole nor the A series and B series really exist, is his apparently inevitable conclusion. I could say was because the paper appeared in 1908, but I can also say is because the paper exists in libraries and online and, more abstractly still, in the fast-expanding tapestry of interwoven ideas and facts that we call our culture. You may have noticed, and if so, you're more observant than most of his readers, that MacTaggart began by assuming the thing he is trying to prove. He considered all positions in time, all possible events, as if they were already laid out in a sequence, points on a geometer's line, M-N-O-P, arranged from the point of view of God or the logician call this the eternal point of view or eternalism the future is just like the past you can see it in the mind's eye neatly diagrammed our experience to the contrary is merely
0: it doesn't no And somebody could argue that you know like like hume who's to say that the future is like the past you know maybe in this in this present reality the sun marks the time and stuff but maybe actually a thousand years ago It was not the case, but it just seems like it's the case now because we're in some sort of matrix. But, you know, any any thoughts of that? Like, maybe, maybe there was a completely different mathematical structure of existence
1: a thousand years ago. Like, any thoughts of that? No. Our experience, to the contrary, is merely a product of mental states, memories, perceptions, and anticipations, which we experience as pastness, presentness, and futurity. An eternalist says that reality is timeless. So, time is unreal. In fact, this is a mainstream view of modern physics. I won't say the mainstream view. In these tempestuous days, no one can say for sure what that is. Many of the most respected and established physicists espouse the following. The equations of physics contain no evidence for a flow of time. The laws of science do not distinguish between the past and the future. Therefore, do we have a syllogism? Time is not real. The observer, physicist or philosopher, stands outside, and looks in. The human experience of time is suspended for abstract observation. Past, present, and future are bounded in a nutshell. And what of our persistent impressions to the contrary? We experience time in our bones. We remember the past. We await the future. But the physicist notes that we are fallible organisms, easily fooled and not to be trusted. Nope, it's fading in and out. ancestors experienced the... All right. It's fading in and and out. It's fading in and out.
0: Tell me if it does again, okay? Ready?
1: Yeah. Our pre-scientific ancestors experienced the flat Earth and traveling sun. Could our experience of time be equally naive? Perhaps. But scientists have to come back to the evidence of our senses in the end.
0: They must... And there's still people who say that there is a flat Earth, and I'm and i actually looking to, looking at a book right now that argues that. But any thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> no evidence of our senses. In the end, they must test their models against experience. People like us who believe in physics, Einstein said, know that the distinction between.
0: But yeah, like again, though, in a dream, what your senses tell you doesn't matter. The dream in a in a dream, it says, oh. You look at something and it's, and it's round. Well, is it round? It's a dream. Is it flat? Well, it doesn't matter. It's a dream. That's your sense perceptions. And all it's showing is you, it was a deeper symbolic meaning somehow. Any thoughts of that? Yeah. Said. know that the distinction
1: between past, present, and future is only a stubbornly persistent illusion. Who believe in physics? I detect something wistful in that. In physics, repeats Freeman Dyson, the division of space-time into past, present, and future is an illusion. These formulations retain a bit of humility that is sometimes lost in the quoting. Einstein was consoling a bereaved sister and son, and perhaps thinking as well of his own pending mortality. Dyson was expressing hopeful bonds of kinship with people of the past and people of the future. They are our neighbors in the universe. These are beautiful thoughts but they were not intended as final statements about the nature of reality. As Einstein himself said on an earlier occasion, time and space are modes by which we think
0: and not conditions in which we live. Hey, does it? That's an interesting
1: distinction.
0: Yeah, it doesn't? No. So I was thinking though, like, yeah, but again, contradictions and I like them. Okay, it's an illusion. It's not an illusion. Both. I like any thoughts of
1: that? Conditions in which we live. There is something perverse about a scientist's believing that the future is already complete, locked down tight, no different from the past. The first motivation for the scientific enterprise, the Prime Directive, is to gain some control over our headlong tumble into an unknown future. For ancient astronomers to forecast the movements of heavenly bodies was vindication and triumph. To predict an eclipse was to rob it of its terror. Medical science has labored for centuries to eradicate diseases and extend the lifetimes that fatalists call fixed. In the first powerful application of Newton's laws to earthly mechanics, students of gunnery computed the parabolic trajectories of cannonballs. The better to send them to their targets. 20th century physicists not only managed to change the course of warfare, but then dreamt of using their new computing machines to forecast and even control the Earth's weather. Because why not? We are pattern recognition machines. Uh And the project of science is to formalize our intuitions, do the math, Uh in hopes not just of understanding a passive academic pleasure, but of bending nature to the limited extent possible to our will. Remember Laplace's perfect intelligence.
0: See, like in a dream, you kind of create the dream, but also there's a higher power creating the dream. Like some sort of higher structure that you not like what is the you like that that you aren't necessarily responsible for some people say evolution created it or some people would say maybe god created it but there's something higher or or the oedipal dynamic like did, did you create that any thoughts on that
1: yeah does it exist in the
0: world of ideas or world of form forms i don't know Same thing with this reality like okay you know these people these these new age people who say you know, the, the people who say, the manifestation people, they say, yeah, you create it like a dream. But at the same time, yeah, you might create stuff, but at the same time, there's also constraints and limitations and something higher. And even what you're thinking is being influenced by that higher
1: force. Like, any thoughts of that? Yeah, that's probably true. Remember Laplace's perfect intelligence, fast enough to comprehend all the forces and the positions and to submit them to analysis. To it, nothing would be uncertain and the future as the past would be present to its eyes. This is how the future becomes indistinguishable from the past. Tom Stopper joins the parade of philosophers, wittily paraphrasing him. If you could stop every atom in its position and direction, and if your mind could comprehend all the actions thus suspended, then if you were really, really good at algebra, you could write the formula for all the future. And although nobody can be so clever as to do it, the formula must exist just as if one could. It bears asking because so many modern physicists still believe something like this. Why? If no intelligence can be so comprehensive, no computer can do so much- Hey, does that? No.
0: I would say that that's simplistic because, yes, I do think that everything is kind of determined, but not necessarily in that manner. So he's saying like, oh, if you, if you can tra- project the trajectories of the different molecules and stuff, Okay, that's all illusion, but what's not illusion is the quadrant and that mind and the ideas that, that are producing it. And, you know, any thoughts of that? No. The geometric, infinite, eternal ideas.
1: Comprehensive. No computer can do so much computing. Why must we treat the future as though it were predictable? The implicit answer, sometimes explicit is that the universe is its own computer.
0: Which the molecules are just projections of, of that. You know, with the four subatomic particle type of stuff you know it doesn't. Quarks, up quark down quark electron electron neutrinos. There's a four of them that make up a ball Is its own computer. It computes its own destiny four groups step of by step, four. step, bit by bit
1: or qubit by qubit. The computers we know in the early 21st century not counting the tantalizing quantum variety, operate deterministically. A given input
0: always leads to the same output. Our input, again, is the totality. And what's deterministic and what's probabilistic and stuff, that's also determined by the quadrant. Like I said, the the, the probabilistic laws and stuff, Bayes' theorem, all that is based around the quadrant. Our input,
1: again, is the totality of initial conditions. And our program is the laws of nature. These are the whole kit and caboodle. The entire future is already there. No information needs to be added. Nothing remains to be discovered. There shall be no novelty, no surprise. Only the clanking of the logical gears remains, a mere formality. Yet we have learned that in the real world, things are always a little messy. Measurements are approximate. Knowledge is imperfect. The parts have a certain loose play upon one another, said William James so that the laying down of one of them does not necessarily determine what the others shall be. James might have been pleasantly surprised by the revelations of quantum physics. The exact states of particles can never be perfectly known. Uncertainty reigns. Probability distributions replace the perfect clockwork dreamt of by Laplace. It admits that possibilities may be in excess of actualities, James might have said. That is, he did say it, but in advance of the actual science. Mm. And the things not yet revealed to our knowledge may really in themselves be.
0: Any thoughts on that? <clears throat> no. I was, I was listening to Lee Smolin's book, though, and, and that's debatable again, even like within quantum mechanics. Like Einstein says that he thought it was deterministic, and so did Bohm and stuff. And then now, but that doesn't still that doesn't matter. It's still that's still sense perception. And in a dream world, that sense perception doesn't matter. It's just a, a, a symbology. But my point is though this is that even Smolin says that there's another theory of quantum mechanics that says, you know, based around the idea of Bell's theorem of the quantum entanglement, that it seems that these mo- it appears to our sense perceptions that these molecules are, can, can go faster than the speed of light and they can communicate with each other faster than the speed of light and stuff, that there's actually a super determinism. And that <clears throat> there's almost like, it's like what Bohm said, the implicate order, that there's a super determinism behind things. And it's the exact opposite of the, the Boer's interpretation of, of probabilistic, but it's, 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 it's amazing. It's amazing how the Bible can be seen in two contradictory ways and both of them can fit the Bible. You can, you, you can, you can, you can look at it through your, your view that belief, you know, believe in God is it really a uh, mistranslation. It's believe into God or, or even it's mistranslation of belief. And it's really just, you know, about the flow and, and Buddhist perspective, or you could look at it through the, through the, you know, believe in God and, and that there is separate things and you can, both of them can fit. Both of them are true. That's the Elohim and the J God, both in the first chapter of Genesis, right? Contradictory elements, but they're both true and both false and both whatever. But it's amazing how that, and, and even in reality, that, that, that quantum mechanics, that there can be one interpretation that says that it's completely probabilistic and one that says it's super deterministic and both of them seem true. Both and, and, and not, you know what I mean? And this is Her- Heraclitus coming to life. You know what I mean? The contradictions.
1: Good. Any thoughts on that? No. Revealed to our knowledge may really in themselves be ambiguous. Just so.
0: <laughs> it's like it's like reality being playful with, with the observer who is who is one with reality. And that's what Schopenhauer kind of talks about. But I sent you the book on Schopenhauer Grandpa, if you want to check that out. It's pretty interesting. Alright,
1: ready? Yeah, I haven't
0: I haven't gotten to that yet. Yeah. Yeah. Alright?
1: Just so physicist with a Geiger counter can never guess when the next click will come. You might think that our modern quantum theorists would join James in cheering indeterminism. The computers in our thought experiments, if not always the computers we own, are deterministic because people have designed them that way. Likewise, the laws of science are deterministic because people have written them that way. They have an ideal perfection that can be attained in the mind or in the platonic realm, but not in the real The Schrodinger equation, the screwdriver of modern physics, manages the uncertainties by bundling up the probabilities into a unit, a wave function. It's a ghostly abstract object, this wave function. A physicist can write it as psi and not worry too much about the contents. Where did we get that from? Said Richard Feynman. Nowhere. It's not possible to derive it from anything you know. It came out of the mind of Schrodinger. It just was and is... Astoundingly effective. And once you have it, the Schrödinger equation returns determinism to the process. Calculations are deterministic. Given proper input, good quantum physicists can compute the output with certainty and keep on computing. The only trouble comes in the act of returning from the idealized equations to the real world they are meant to describe. Finally, we have to parachute in from the platonic abstract mathematics. It does. No. In from the platonic abstract mathematics to the sublunary stuff on laboratory benches at that point when an act of measurement is required the wave function collapses as physicists say schrodinger's cat is either alive or dead according to a limerick it comes as a total surprise that what we learn from the size not the fate of the cat but related to that the best we can ever surmise this collapse of the wave function is the for a special kind of argumentation. It's interesting,
0: you know, I've, I've experienced a ton of synchronicities, Grandpa, and, and, and that's what shows me that it, reality is beyond, you, you know, but you were open to this, your idea of just this energy, and it's just like, uh, you know, obviously, okay, okay, Jesus, if it's everything's energy, but I think that you took out the, the mental aspect, like everything's energy, okay, so then you can manipulate energy, Jesus could multiply bread and stuff, okay. But then also I think that there's a me- metaphysical, mystical aspect of, of synchronicities and stuff, that it were like, and I think that you, you were maybe getting rid of like Yogananda even talked about the dream world and, and you, you kind of interpret it through the framework of energy in, in you, but you didn't realize that Yogananda was very magical thinking, very mystical thinking. And he was doing miracles that were like magical because it more of a dream world orientation. And that would be like more of the quadra model and more of the super determinism uh, type of stuff that, that's beyond sense really beyond reason, but still there's a logical coherence. But <clears throat> my point is, though, uh, I was listening to this, James Gleick talk about this, as I was walking through uh, uh, this uh, this tea place where they gave me a free tea or a 10% off because I, I have this app that allows you to get 10% off and stuff. And it was called TNT, but that's that's the name of the place. And then as I was walking through it, When he said cat, I was looking at a a statue of a cat when he said cat. But any thoughts of
1: that? No. Special kind of argumentation in quantum physics. Not about the mathematics, but about the philosophical underpinnings. What can this possibly mean is the basic problem, and the various approaches are called interpretations. There is (laughs) the Copenhagen interpretation, first among many. The Copenhagen approach is to treat the collapse of the wave function as an awkward necessity. Just a kludge to live with. Where did this come from? This idea of a Copenhagen interpretation. First, Copenhagen is cool kids shorthand for Niels Bohr. For several decades, Copenhagen was to quantum theory, but the Vatican is to Catholicism. As for interpretation, it seems to have started out in German. Only the word was Geist, as in Copenhagen. And what's
0: fascinating about that is, I mean, we're listening to this thing about time, and then I had that experience of looking at the cat when he said cat i was i was in that tnt you know you know, like Jap- it was a japanese place and japanese people like statues of cats and he says cat and i was looking directly at the cat statue when he said it and and the, to me that's like the idea of you know the, the mystical what what yun was talking about now we're in the dream world the synchronicity realm where time you know where, where there's manipulations of time and matter that that's like dream dream world like any thoughts of that Supernatural, surreal. Any thoughts?
1: No. Geist, as in Copenhagen Geist der quantum theory. Werner Heisenberg, 1930. The slogan for this interpretation is, shut up and calculate. There are the Bohmian interpretation, the quantum Bayesian, the objective collapse, and last but definitely not least, the many worlds. Go to any meeting. And it is like being in a holy city in great tumult, says the physicist Christopher Fuchs. You will find all the religions with all their priests pitted in holy war. The many worlds interpretation, MWI to those in the know, is a fantastic piece of make-believe championed by some of the smartest physicists of our time. They are the intellectual heirs of Hugh Everett, if not Borges. The MWI is the one with all the glamour and publicity, wrote Philip Ball the English science writer, ex-physicist, in 2015. It tells us that we have multiple selves, living other lives in other universes, quite possibly doing all the things that we dream of but will never achieve or never dare. Who could resist such an idea? He kept, for one. The many world's champions are like hoarders, unable to throw anything away. There is no such thing as a path not taken. Everything that can happen does happen. All possibilities are realized. If not here than in another universe. In cosmology, universes also abound. Brian Greene has named nine different types of parallel universes, quilted, inflationary, brain, cyclic, landscape, quantum, holographic, simulated, and ultimate. The MWI cannot be demolished by means of logic. It's too appealing. Any argument you can make against it has already been considered and, in their minds, refuted by its distinguished advocates. To me, the most effective physicists are the ones who retain a degree of modesty about their program. Bohr said, in our description of nature, the purpose is not to disclose the real essence of the phenomena, but only to track down, so far as it is possible, relations between the manifold aspects of our experience. Feynman said, I have approximate answers and possible beliefs and different degrees of certainty about different things, but I'm not absolutely sure of anything. And does it? Yeah, I respect that thing from Feynman. Absolutely sure of anything. Physicists make mathematical models, which are generalizations and simplifications, by definition incomplete, stripped down from the cornucopia of reality. The models expose patterns in the messiness and capitalize upon them. The models themselves are timeless, they exist unchanging. A Cartesian graph plotting time and distance contains its own past and future. The Minkovskian space-time picture is timeless. The wave function is timeless. These models are ideal, and they are frozen. We can comprehend them within our minds or our computers. The world, on the other hand, remains full of surprises. William Faulkner said, The aim of every artist is to arrest motion, which is life, by artificial means, and hold it fixed. Scientists do that, too and sometimes they forget they are using artificial means. You can say Einstein discovered that the universe is a four-dimensional space-time continuum, but it's better to say, more modestly, Einstein discovered that we can describe the universe as a four-dimensional space-time continuum, and that such a model enables physicists to calculate almost everything with astounding exactitude in certain limited domains. Call it space-time. I'd love to have that quote. At space-time, to the arsenal.
0: Yeah, does it? Doesn't? Well, yeah, because well, the thing is there's, yeah. actually, there's actually four different domains of physics. There's a quantum mechanics. There's the... I forget, I forget the four of them, but there, there's a quantum field theory, which is the, the fourth one. Then general relativity, which would be Einstein. So yeah, within that limited domain, general relativity works. That's the third quadrant. And then there's like the special relativity. I forget the four domains. But let me look at it right But the point is, yes, it works within that specific domain, but... Then, then you might say, oh yeah, well then it's all relative, but it's not, there's still the four domains and each one has their own qualities and characteristics. The first domain quantum mechanics is weird because that's, a, that's, a, that's how the first quadrant always is. And, and the, what Einstein stuff works on is the third domain, the third quadrant. um yeah classical mechanics quantum mechanics relativistic mechanics and quantum field theory those are four domains says research is often divided into four subfields condensed matter physics atomic molecular and optical all right it doesn't no So yeah within within that limited domain of you see that that's this is what einstein uses relativistic mechanics that's in in the domain of the large scale the mesocosm or the macrocosm when when things are going at a fast speed that's when that works and it works in that limited domain but then to say okay well then everything's relative and it's only limited domains and stuff yeah but still there's only four domains and each one has their own qualities based around the four quadrants
1: space-time to the arsenal of metaphors. You can say the equations of physics make no distinction between past and future, between forward and backward in time, but if you do, you are averting your gaze from the phenomena dearest to our hearts. That there is a place for the present moment in physics becomes obvious when I take my experience of it as the reality it clearly is to me and recognize that space-time is an abstraction that I construct to organize such experiences, says David Merman. You leave for another day or another department, the puzzles of evolution, memory, consciousness, life itself. Elementary processes may be reversible, complex processes are not. In the world of things, time's arrow is always flying. One 21st century theorist who began to challenge the mainstream block universe view was Lee Smolin, born in New York in 1955. he does. no. In New York in 1955, an expert on quantum gravity and a founder of the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Canada. <clears throat> for much of his career, Smolin held conventional views of time for a physicist before, as he saw it, recanting. I no longer believe that time is unreal, he declared in 2013. In fact, I have swung to the opposite view. Not only is time real, but nothing we know or experience gets closer to the heart of nature than the reality of time.
0: Isn't that interesting, A. Bazaar? No. That's what I love is the, the contradictory aspect that, that someone can go to one extreme saying time is, is not real, and then he can go to the exact opposite extreme and say actually time is the only thing that is real, that we know is real. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, well, see, those, those work. Each theory works in its domain. Yeah, but yeah, so. so but that, that, that's pretty cool that, that, that that's the way it works that and it makes me think of like someone who's like i'm thinking of uh i forget his name like zizek is one example and then there was another guy i think his name is horowitz he went from being like an extreme communist to becoming a fascist you know what i mean H- how can you go from one to the other it, that you know c- kind of happened to me too like i can go from a, a communist to a fascist well, how does that make sense Because it doesn't matter, you know, if someone goes through from a Christian to an atheist, like, who cares? I don't give a shit. You're in a dream matrix. I any thoughts of that?
1: No. Sure, then the reality of time. The rejection of time is itself a conceit. It is a trick that physicists have pulled on themselves. The fact that it is always some moment in our perception and that we experience that moment as one of a flow of moments, is not an illusion, Smolin wrote. Timelessness, eternity, the four-dimensional space-time loaf. These are the illusions. Timeless laws of nature are like perfect equilateral triangles. They exist undeniably, but only in our minds. Everything we experience, every thought, impression, intention, is part of a moment. The world is presented to us as a series of moments. We have no
0: chance. doesn't? no but then you talk about the timeless moment and that there is no moment like any thoughts of that
1: no so maybe both and neither as a series, mm-hmm. we have no choice about this no choice about which moment we inhabit <clears throat> now no choice about whether to go forward or back in time no choice to jump ahead no choice about the rate of flow of the moments in this way time is completely unlike space One might object by saying that all events also take place in a particular location, but we have a choice about where we move in space. This is not a small distinction. It shapes the whole of our experience. Determinists, of course, believe that the choice is an illusion. Smolin was willing to treat the persistence of the illusion as a piece of evidence, not to be dismissed glibly, requiring explanation. For Smolin, the key to salvaging time turns out to be rethinking the very idea of space, where does that come from in a universe empty of matter would space exist he argues that time is a fundamental property of nature but space is an emergent property in other words it is the same kind of abstraction as temperature apparent measurable but actually a consequence of something deeper and invisible in the case of temperature the foundation is the microscopic motion of on- no The foundation is the microscopic motion of ensembles of molecules. What we feel as temperature is an average of the energy of these moving molecules. So it is with space. Space, at the quantum mechanical level, is not fundamental at all, but emergent from a deeper order. He likewise believes that quantum mechanics itself, with all its puzzles and paradoxes, cats that are both alive and dead, an infinitude of simultaneously existing universes, will turn out to be an approximation of a deeper theory. For space, the deeper reality is the network of relationships among all the entities that fill it. Things are related to other things. They are connected. And it is the relationships that define space, rather than the other way around. This is not a new perspective. It goes back at least...
0: Hold on one second, Gabriel, hold on one second. It was a Roger... Hey man, I'm I'm in the middle of uh, talking with my grandpa right now. But uh, are, are you are you planning to come over today or what? Yeah, I'm trying to work it out today. Tomorrow, hundred percent, like hundred thousand percent. All right, awesome. Maybe,
1: man. Million, maybe millions.
0: Like, <laughs> All right, sweet. Today,
1: today is um uh, point zero 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 one million. Not this day, not that bad. I'm trying, right. trying to work it out though. So maybe you can do it. Maybe you can do it.
0: Yeah, or, and if, if if you can, then we can go to the church thing too tonight. Or or else, if if, if need be. I can meet you not
1: too, not too far away. Yeah,
0: in the I can pick you up. I can pick you up somewhere. And
1: then you can, um something like that. You can, you know, we'll, have, we'll
0: have to play it by ear right now. I'm doing some errands right now, myself. You know? All
1: right, man. Sounds yeah, good, bro. How's, your,
0: how's Gramps doing? Gramps okay? Hey, hey, Grandpa, say hi to Roger. Hey, Roger. Hey, how you doing, Gramps? Yeah, it's nice and cool
1: up here. Cool up there, huh? It's still cool here. It's not too it's warming up a little. It's it's, it's okay. All I'm, right. Good to hear all me. right, well hang in there.
0: Hey, 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 hey but yeah. Ro- Roger, I got I'm. we're we're doing like a we're doing a podcast right now, so I gotta go real, real quick, but I'll call you uh call you back later. Okay. Sounds right.
1: good, sounds good. Right. Yeah, take care. Right. Take care, guys. Okay, all right. This is not a new perspective. It goes back Rival Leibniz, who refused to accept the view of time and space as containers in which everything is situated, an absolute background for the universe. He preferred to treat them as relations between objects. Space is nothing else but that order or relation, and is nothing at all without bodies but the possibility of placing them. Empty space is not space at all, Leibniz would say, nor would time exist in an empty universe, because time is the measure of change. I hold space to be something merely relative, as time is, wrote Leibniz. Instance considered without the things are nothing at all. With the triumph of the new. And that's it? No.
0: That's why I'm talking about this idea of relationships is so important. And, and you have to have, there's a four aspects space, time, matter, and energy. And without all of them connected, you don't have anything. But there, there's a oneness, and the oneness is the quadrant.
1: With the triumph of the Newtonian. Power- <laughs> Leibniz's view almost faded from view. To
0: appreciate the network-centered relational view of space, we need look no further than the connected digital world. And also just going on the idea of temperature, like even all of the, the laws of, they call them the, the gas laws. There's four primary gas laws that describe all the gas. And there's four components of him. One's temperature, one's volume, one's pressure, and one is uh, volume, pressure, temperature. I forget the fourth one again, but it's, it's, it's these relationships in the, but the quadrant seems to be the the thing that's like persistent. Like any thoughts
1: there? No. Digital world. The internet, like the telegraph a century before, is commonly said to annihilate space. It does this by making neighbors of the most distant nodes in a network that transcends physical dimension. Instead of six degrees of separation, we have billions of degrees of connectedness. As Smolin put it, we live in a world in which technology has trumped the limitations inherent in living in a low dimensional space. From a cell phone perspective, we live in a 2.5 billion dimensional space in which very nearly all our fellow humans are our nearest neighbors. The internet, of course, has done the same thing. The space separating us has been dissolved by a network of connections. So maybe it's easier now for us to see how things really are. This is what Smolin believes, that time is fundamental, but space an illusion. Mm -hmm. That the real relationships that form the world are a dynamical network, and that the network itself, along with everything in it, can and must evolve over time. He presents a program for further study based on a notion of preferred global time extends throughout the universe and defines a boundary
0: between- and I, remember, I remember I told you that a while ago, like everything's based on relationships, but you didn't like that idea because you said everything is one, but it's both, it's both. It's uh, The oneness is a quadrant, but there's the relationships. And, and I see that with like the races of humans, like there's the four main races, black, white, you know, the, the way they always, you know, or, the, or there's the, you know, like the gas laws. Without the four components of the ga- gas laws, there's there is nothing. But you have to have the, the relationships of them, but then there's still the oneness. Or, or, like you know, in, in this case, space, time, matter, energy. Yeah, it is all one, but it also there is the distinction, and that's that's the trinity. What they talk about, you know, the it, really quaternity, if you want to add the fourth, but that's what the, the, the mystics were talking about the Christian mystics from the beginning three in one. There's multiplicity and unity. Like, any thoughts of that? No, that's about enough for today. Okay, but let's just, let's just finish this one part right here, because there's only like uh, five more minutes of this one part. Okay.
1: Just, just really quick right here, right, right. Universe mm-hmm. finds a boundary between past and future. It imagines a family of observers spread throughout the universe in a preferred state of rest, against which motion can be measured. Even if now need not be the same to different observers, it retains its meaning for the cosmos. These observers, with their persistent sense of a present moment, are a problem to be investigated, rather than set aside. The universe does what it does. We perceive change, perceive motion, and try to make sense of the teeming, blooming confusion. The hard problem, in other words, is consciousness. We're back where we started with Wells' time traveler, insisting that the only difference between time and space is that our consciousness moves along it, just before Einstein and Nikovsky said the same. Physicists have developed a love-hate relationship with the problem of the self. On the one hand, it's none of their business. Leave it to the mere psychologists. On the other hand, trying to extricate the observer, the measurer, the accumulator of information from the cool description of nature has turned out to be impossible. Our consciousness is not some magical onlooker, it is a part of the universe it tries to contemplate.
0: So maybe it's space-time matter and maybe not energy, but consciousness. Because space-time matter we know is energy. Maybe space-time matter and consciousness. Like any thoughts of that? Yeah, that's better. A part of the universe it tries to contemplate. The mind
1: is what we experience most immediately, and what does the experiencing? <laughs> It is subject to the arrow of time, it creates memories as it goes. But you see like
0: Daniel Dennis says that though consciousness is just the, the relationships of space, time and matter in different combinations in energy and energy, you know, the dopamine and stuff like that, and the subvocalized speech, the movement of the, the vocal cords, like
1: arrow of time, it creates memories as it goes, it models the world and continually compares these models with their predecessors. Whatever consciousness will turn out to be, it's not a moving flashlight illuminating successive slices of the four-dimensional space-time continuum. It is a dynamical system occurring in time, evolving in time, able to absorb bits of information from the past and process them, and able as well to create anticipation for the future. Augustine was right all along. The modern philosopher J.R. Lucas in his treatise on time and space comes back around. We cannot say what time is, because we know already. And our saying could never match up to all that we already know. So is the Buddha, as translated via Borges. The man of a past moment has lived, but he does not live, nor will he live. The man of a future moment will live, but he has not lived, nor does he now live. The man of the present moment lives, but he has not lived, nor will he live. We know that the past...
0: He doesn't? (laughs) No. Is that good for now? Yep. All right, thanks, Gabo. A- okay.